Aloha. Welcome to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but nothing replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you heard of a pulsed, a physician's order for life-sustaining treatment? 46 states in the United States are either having and requiring these or recommending that people consider them and looking at making these available to their residents. Now, this is a little different, but still related to an advanced directive, and we are going to demystify the alphabet soup of what people need to think about for their future with my guest today, Hope Young. She is the Advanced Care Planning Coordinator at org, and she's here to join us to explain what all these different forms are, why a conversation is necessary before you just fill them out, and what sort of information we might need to know so that providers can help take care of you in any way you choose as time goes on. So thank you for joining me today, Hope. Thanks, Dr. Kozak. Thanks for having me. Now, you know, when I very first started in medicine, I remember a patient who came to me, this was many years ago, and I'm aging myself there, and they said, do I need a pulse? And I went, I don't know what that is, so no. And then as time went on, I was educated quite, quite readily so about what this is. So we're talking about some different different documents. Let's talk first about advanced directives. You know, sometimes people say, I'm not having an emergency. I feel great. Why would I worry about the future? A lot of us have had times in our lives when we felt indestructible and young and healthy and ready to take on the world, and then age sets in. So what are advanced directives, and, and why do I want them? Do I need them? Do I have to have them? Great question. Um, so before I go on with advanced directives, maybe I'll just shine some light on it. Um, it's also been known as a living will, and a living will is something slightly different, but folks will kind of equate the two as the same thing, but they aren't. So if you have a living will, it is an opportunity for you to update it. I'll go a little bit more into detail about that with an advanced directive, but just so that folks have a better understanding of what that document is. So the advanced directive is actually something that folks fill out themselves. They don't need to go to the lawyer. They don't need to get someone else to fill it out for them. It's an easy, simple form that they can find on kokuamau.org. It's a three-page document that we have online, free to download. And really what it is, is it's a two-part document. So the first part of that document is naming your healthcare power of attorney. That is also your healthcare agent. I like to refer to that person as your person, the person who you trust to make decisions on your behalf should you be unable to speak for yourself. That's the first part of that document. Now, why would you be unable to speak for yourself? Well, you know, here in Hawaii, lots of things can happen. You can go surfing, get hit on the head with a surfboard, maybe go hiking, find yourself unconscious because you've fallen over and hit your head. You could even go on King Street and get hit by a bus. Things happen. Life comes at us. Not only is there illness that could cause us to be not able to speak for ourselves, but there are accidents and things out there that could cause that. So pretty much anybody should consider having some sort of a idea about who would be making decisions for them. Does it always default to a spouse if someone says, well, I have a husband or I have kids, they know what I want. Does it default to them or is there really a need to put somebody else down there? You know, here in Hawaii, we do not have a next of kin rule, meaning although you may be married, it does not automatically default to your spouse. It does not automatically default to your children. It does not automatically default, period. So what they will do here in Hawaii is they will call a consensus of interested individuals. 
which means they call all your ohana, your loved ones, they call them all together and they ask them as your loved ones to determine who's in charge. And if you've got a lot of loved ones, can you just imagine trying to get one person to be nominated by that group to be in charge? Yeah, getting everybody to agree. Think about uh, how fun family game nights are. (laughs) And then you'll know, not going to happen. Okay. So that's why we, we really encourage people, all competent adults over the age of 18, to complete their advanced directive. It's not an age thing. We don't want to wait until you're 40 or 50 or 60. By all means, let's start doing this younger while we're healthier and healthy and able to give that uh, determination of who you trust. So that's part one is who do you trust? And you could change that if you, you know, if you do this directive when you're young and then you get married or you get divorced or you someone passes away, you could change the health care power of attorney. Or would you have like secondary people. So would you list one and maybe have a number two if they couldn't and a number three? Absolutely. So you want to have that first person that you choose uh, and then you want to pick a a secondary person, an alternate. Because think if you're in a car accident and you're in the car with your person, with the person you've determined to be your healthcare power of attorney, you want to have a secondary person that's able to step into that role and take over those, uh, that, that very important role of making decisions. Okay, so step one is you pick your person and then an alternate person, and then that's, that's who you put down there. That's the first part of the document okay. is naming your healthcare power of attorney, also known as your healthcare agent, the person who's in charge when you're no longer able to speak for yourself. That is the first part of that advanced directive. Okay. The second part is where you give that person rule, basically your instructions for what you would want or not want should you be unable to speak for yourself. So kind of like a roadmap, decision-making, things that are important to you. And really, it's not medically-driven conversation to determine what you would want. It's more along the lines of what's important to you, what matters most to you, which is why it's really important to have these conversations, these meaningful conversations, so that your healthcare agent, your healthcare power of attorney is able to make decisions on your behalf with your best interest in mind. So the healthcare agent or the power of attorney, it's not upon them to make the decision. It's upon them to know what your decision is. And their role is to make sure that the physicians or providers follow what you want, not necessarily for them to override. Like you're not going to choose somebody who's going to be like, "Uh, I think you're crazy town. I would never do that. I'm going to do the opposite. You want to make sure that the person you choose is actually going to be able to fulfill what your wishes are. Absolutely. I like to refer to that person as your champion your advocate, this is the person who's going to take your wishes and ensure that the doctors know what they are, your providers are aligned with that so that you are getting the best care that you have already predetermined prior to having to use that advanced directive. Now, what if you have three kids and you list one of them? And the other two aren't listed. And they go a little ballistic. I'm sure you've seen that. Absolutely. What do we do? So this is why conversations are really important. Part of the reason for the conversation is to ensure that your loved ones know what matters to you. But it also gives you the ability to determine who would be your best advocate. Having these conversations with your loved ones, say, okay, with the three kids, maybe the oldest one is far away. And they're not able to be here. And you, you, you know, you just don't want to give that person that, that, uh, that, um, that role. And then maybe you have one that's more involved. And then maybe you have one who's all over the place. Really, what you want to do is have these conversations to ensure that they are able to follow what you're asking them. 
All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. We have Hope Young from Kakua Mao, the Advanced Care Planning Coordinator. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what would be the next part and how do you know what sort of discussion and conversation to have. What are some of the topics you're going to talk about? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio with Hope Young. She is the Advanced Care Planning Coordinator from Kakua Mao, and she is here to explain to us what is the purpose of Living Wills, Advanced Directives, and Physician or Provider's Order for Life-Sustaining Treatment. So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, looking at advanced directives. There were two parts. You said the first part is identify your healthcare agent or your healthcare power of attorney. You don't need to see a lawyer to do that. You just need to have a discussion with your loved ones and find some one of them or two, depending on if you want to have an alternate, that you can allow to help make enact the decisions that you would want made if you're not able to answer for yourself. So you mentioned it's important to have a conversation, like not about the weather, but about what? Well, what's important, what, what matters most to you? Your loved ones really will be needing to make decisions on your behalf. If they need to step in and make those decisions, they need to know what matters most to you. So if you are able to share what matters most with your loved ones, they can better navigate the health system. Because it is kind of a, a, a hard thing to navigate without knowing what's important. So knowing what matters most really makes a difference for your agent. Not just for yourself, but for your agent. So like what would be some examples of what somebody would put in there? I mean, you know, what matters most? Like like you want to be able to enjoy delicious food, right? So maybe that's something that matters most. But some people might want to be able to go spend time in the garden. How, what kind of examples do you have of what matters most? So one of my favorites, and, and I've actually used this for myself, is, hey, if I get dementia, don't chase me around trying to give me cholesterol pills. Let me enjoy my ice cream, watch my TV, and just enjoy myself. You don't have to worry about my, my blood pressure or anything. Just let me enjoy the time that I have with you and spend as much time as possible with me. So it's really getting into those kind of details. It's getting into what details would matter most for you so that you have the best quality of life that you can enjoy. So when you put down what you would set up as your as your particular areas that you want to be able to continue presumably to be able to do, what would be some of the questions that might direct somebody to look at whether or not they want things like feeding tubes? You know, I mentioned food is important, uh, dialysis or surgeries or those sorts of things. Does that come into the discussion that you're going to have? So I would say yes. On the discussion part of it, you want to have as much robust conversation about what matters most to you, what you would and wouldn't want when it came down to your healthcare decisions. But really what you're looking at is quality of life. What would be a good quality of life for you? And if it's a matter of, hey, you know, as long as I can watch my Korean soaps and eat chocolate, hey, we're good to go. Let's let's do this. As long as you're looking at quality of life, we're not necessarily looking at the medical interventions because that can get a little bit more technical and Honestly, as laymen, we don't know what, what can and cannot be done medically. You know, interventions have gone so so far that there are a lot of things that uh, medical interventions can help with. 
But how about let's look at what matters most to us. So, hey, if I can watch my kids, my grandkids play soccer on the weekend and enjoy that with my family, great. Let's keep going in this direction. So when do we get more prescriptive about it? So, you know, that's that's kind of a when we start looking at a diagnosis that could cause some changes in our health, um, we are looking probably at more medical interventions when we start looking at the pulse. Now, the pulse is a more medically driven document. It's something that needs to be pro- completed with your provider. So either your doctor, your physician, or your nurse practitioner. So this is where it becomes a medically driven document versus your ad- advanced directive, where that is more of a what matters to me and how can you help me get that as my loved one? How do you support me with, with what matters most to me? Now, for those folks who have a living will, you mentioned that that's another way that they may have some of these advanced directives listed. That may be part of a trust of some other type of a will, and it often has some of the medical questions of the post. So do those things need to agree, and what if they don't, and why are there two of them? So let me, let me back up a little bit before we get to that. So when you have a living will, and if it is in your trust, I'd like to encourage folks to take that out of the trust folder, take that out of the will, take it away from those documents that we look for after a person has died, because we want to make sure that you utilize that while people are still alive. Thus the concept of living. Will. Absolutely. Okay. So we want to take that outside of those documents and we want to review that. Now, with the living will, it doesn't necessarily name a person as your healthcare power of attorney. So if you have a living will, you may want to update it to an advanced directive so you're naming that person who's in charge so that you're up to date and you're current. Um, oftentimes, you'll hear in living wills phrases such as extraordinary measures, um, life-prolonging things. And, and really, that's not very helpful if you're the agent. If you're the healthcare agent, you have to do a little bit more digging. So we want to make sure that folks recognize the importance. Take that living will out, review it. If it's time to update it and name somebody, go ahead and do that. Because that's how you make sure that your wishes continue to be your wishes throughout life. So if I could summarize, your advanced directive is where you actually list your healthcare power of attorney or your healthcare agent. You may not have that in a living will document, and it may be with your will, which as you've brought up, is generally looked at when you're not here. Exactly. And if you want the living part of it to be looked at, you probably have to have that stored somewhere else. So the living will might include a healthcare agent, but it may not. Correct. So taking a look, making sure you still agree with that, update it as you need to. And unlike a traditional will that may need to have some other type of authentication, an advanced directive, you don't necessarily need to go to an attorney to do that. You can list what your wishes and goals of care are, and that may be something you discuss with your family. Probably not something that's going to need any other type of certification. So to make your advanced directive legal, you have two options. You can either have it notarized, and that's a stamp. You take it to the bank. They notarize it for you. Or you can have two witnesses. And witnesses, they cannot be the person that you've named as your healthcare power of attorney. It cannot be someone um, who works in a facility that you are receiving care from. Right. Doctors are out. We can't do it. I want to. I'm pretty trustworthy. I can't do it. (laughs) You can't do it. And we can't name you as our healthcare power of attorney either if you're my doctor. So we want to make sure that we're, we're choosing the right people and then if we're getting witnesses, it's they must be over the age of 18, and one of them cannot have inheritance rights. 
Yeah, you don't want somebody who's getting all your money to suddenly be to your be in healthcare agent. Now, what about kids? So they couldn't potentially, they could be the agent, they couldn't be the witnesses. You could have one be an agent, you could have one be a witness, um, but there needs to be one other person who's mm. not with okay. um, inheritance rights. Right. All right. So let's say you get that and you do it either you notarize it or you get your witnesses. Your neighbors could be witnesses. All Absolutely. they're witnessing is that you're signing it. They're not witnessing that you're doing anything other than it's you physically signing the paper. Same thing with a notary. They're just saying, I saw this person's ID. That's who Correct. they are. They're signing it. So their job is over once they sign that and witness it. That's they're it. not going to be called on later. Correct. Okay. The only person potentially called on could be your health care power of attorney or health care agent. Correct. Okay. And in this case, when we're talking about having all of these arrangements be made, we're really looking at trying to make sure that we're protecting the individual. You're, per you're protecting the individual, but also you are giving your loved ones a gift. It is such mm -hmm. a gift to not have to try and make decisions in the middle of a crisis. It's really hard to make good decisions during a crisis and having this already planned out for your loved ones ahead of time, give them the opportunity to be there with you, to be that supporting, loving member of your family there to, to support you during a crisis. All right. That's a gift. That's a good holiday gift and something that, you know, you could really help with your family, knowing that they know that you have established what you want will take away that mystery or the difficulties. And I'll give you an example of that in just a minute. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. Hope Young from Kakua Mau is on the line. She is the Advanced Care Planning Coordinator. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what happens when things go wrong and how we can prevent that. And by the way, what's a pulse? Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Hope Young in the studio. She is the Advanced Care Planning Coordinator at KakuaMau.org. And we're talking about advanced directives, and I mentioned what to do when things go wrong. Well, I have a family of examples of wrong. So unfortunately, my mother never filled out an advanced directive, and my father said, let the kids decide. And Great to have a family where there's four siblings and two are lawyers and two are doctors and they don't all get along and there's an even number of them. So, by the way, that is not a good plan for any family. And we had quite an interesting time trying to figure out what would my mother want when she had issues that we needed to make decisions about and not everybody agreed and it was just sort of a nightmare in the making so don't do that don't do what we did which is not decide and have the spouse leave it up to an even number of ill-tempered not agreeable children of medical professionals and legal professionals don't do that so that's the don't do it so let's talk a little bit about the more specific area, you mentioned it's a gift to, for people to understand what you want. And then there's this other form, which might be something people look at if they develop an illness or they have a medical condition. 
And that's that provider of physician's order for life-sustaining treatment. And that's a form that may be bright green if you have the official one. Sometimes it's photocopied and it's just whatever color the paper is. But this is a little bit more prescriptive and we've kind of talked around it earlier. So let's talk about the parts of a pulsed and what's included in that and why you might want to consider having that if you have a medical condition for which you might have some type of emergency. So Dr. Kozak, I'd just like to clarify for folks, POLST is not an age-specific document. Nope. So if you go to your doctor and you are at the age of retirement, whether that's 65 if you're lucky, 60 if you've been luckier, um, and they hand you a green paper, and without any conversation, it is really important that you push back and say, hey, do I have something going on that you're not telling me about? Because this is meant for people with a serious illness. The green form is not age-related. It's definitely more, it's, it's for folks who have serious illness, chronic illness, they're medically frail. They're looking at the end of their lives in some way or form. Or they are facing a serious illness, which could mean they could be going to a hospital for hospitalization. There could be some sort of emergency. So we want to make sure that folks are doing the post when it is appropriate. If it is not an appropriate document for you, then please complete your advanced directive. Or do both. You can do both. But definitely you don't need an advanced, you don't need a post um, prior to having a serious illness. So let's say you have a serious illness. And maybe the illness is that you're 99 and you may or may not live a long time because of age. And, you know, you, you don't want to have certain interventions done because sure. the statistical likelihood of surviving if you were to have an out of hospital code or heart stop or breathing stop is pretty nominal when you're 99 years old. So what if you have an age or in this case, you know, potential, it is medical at that age, right? Frailty, et cetera. So in that situation... What are the questions on the post? The very first question asks, if you are found with no pulse and non-responsive, would you like CPR initiated? There is no CPR. Attempt to say, uh, do not attempt CPR. And, and you know, really, doctor, what, when do we do CPR? Well, hopefully, if somebody doesn't have a pulse, you don't do it if they have a pulse because they don't need it. And also, if you see somebody who has suddenly become unconscious. You wouldn't necessarily start CPR if you found someone who kind of looks like they'd been there for a while. That wouldn't necessarily be something that would be helpful. So do we do CPR on healthy, breathing, living individuals? Well, are they healthy and breathing and have a pulse? Then they don't need CPR. Exactly. So we are looking at people who do not have a pulse. Step number one, check for a pulse. Okay. That is the first question. Do we attempt CPR or do we allow for a natural death? And that's the key, is that it doesn't mean we're withholding. It means we allow nature to take its course. Yes. Okay. So question number one, do you want CPR attempted or do you want to allow for a natural death? Question number two. Question number two looks at the medical intervention. What level of intervention would you like? If you are taken to a hospital, you're still breathing, you're alive, they take you in the case of an emergency, you have three different levels. So your first level is do everything. We want to do everything that's medically available to you in order to prolong your life. Second one is let's, let's pick and choose what we're doing. Kind of let's figure out what we would want. Shy of going to the ICU, let's figure out what we can do. 
And then the third option is we're going to let nature take its course. We don't want invasive medical intervention. Keep me comfortable. Keep me comfortable. Okay. So depending on your medical illness, you may choose everything. You may choose limited interventions. You may choose keep me comfortable. Correct. Okay. Is there another question on the form? The third question is about nutrition, artificial nutrition and hydration. And here in Hawaii, food is love. So this question is something that really, when we give this answer, you are really giving your loved ones that opportunity to not have to make that decision. They will always attempt to feed you by mouth. They will always try to give you nutrition and hydration by mouth. Uh, but there may come a time when you're no longer able to take it by mouth. So they do have medical interventions to allow for tube feeding. Now in a, in a temporary tube feeding, what they do is they go up the nose, down the throat, and into the belly. And that's how they provide the nutrition. This is something that's performed on a regular basis for people who are in uh, uh, emergency room situation. They haven't had food. My mother had to have one. She immediately said to get it out because it hurt. So that's the, that's the third question is artificial nutrition and hydration. And remember, Hawaii, food is love. So we think of food as a way of showing our love for each other. We feed each other. We go to people's houses and they say, make a plate, go home. That's part of the, the, the depth of what nutrition can be for, for loved ones. So answering you, that is really important. Now, you mentioned something interesting. They will always try and feed you by mouth. Correct. So you're only talking about adding a tube. You're not talking about not allowing somebody to try and eat by mouth. Correct. Okay. Is there another question? Then it's just signatures. So you need to have the signature of your provider. Um, and again, that's either your physician or your APRN. And then you're going to need your signature if you're still able to sign on your own behalf or the signature of someone who have, you have designated as your legally authorized representative, which hopefully you've completed on your advanced directive, and that person that you've named as your healthcare power of attorney does have authority to sign on your behalf. So would you presume that the person who signs on your behalf on the post would be the same healthcare power of attorney on your advanced directive? It's supposed to happen that way, but unfortunately it doesn't always happen that way. Okay. Now... Are there ever situations where the two documents don't agree? Of course. Why well, not? <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes it's just a matter of timing. Sometimes the advanced directive is done at a time when we are healthy and there comes an illness and now things have changed. And that's an opportunity. Once that diagnosis has come into play, that's an opportunity to go back and look at your, at your healthcare directive to make sure that it's still in alignment with what your wishes are. Now, how often would you be revising this. Let's say that you have a diagnosis and it looks like you're going to do great with this diagnosis, but it is serious. And so you might say, do everything right now, but then things don't necessarily go well. And now maybe you want to change your mind. Maybe it's a cancer and it's progressed, or it's another condition that has gotten worse. Can you change your post? You can change your post. You can change your advanced directives. You are in charge of your documents. And it's really important to recognize that as life changes, you should update and make sure that your advanced directives is aligned with what your wishes are. Um, we do have a social worker who has told the story that once she got divorced, 
she had to go back and review her advance directive because her ex-husband was named as her healthcare power attorney. And her new husband was not very appreciative of that. So she had to go back and, and redo it. So as life goes on, you want to go back and review that document and make sure it's still up to date with who, you, who you're putting in charge and what your wishes are. Your post, you can change that anytime. Of course, you need to have your provider sign off on that, though, in order for it to be a legal document for EMTs to, to follow. And so you would, if you decide to change it, you need to make sure that your provider is aware of that and can help with those arrangements to make it a document people can follow. All right. Well, hope you have explained the alphabet soup of advanced directives. I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your expertise. Hope Young from KakuaMau.org. She is the Advanced Care Planning Coordinator. And if you have questions, you can always go to their website. They have lots of folks who are available to help explain things and to help people to understand these different these different papers and what they need and when in their life they need to consider it. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on HawaiiPublicRadio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will be right back next week with part two of our discussion with Kakua Mao. Stay tuned. We'll see you then next Monday on The Body Show. Mm-hmm.